0: Good morning, church. Welcome to the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, go ahead and stand up for me this morning. Let's, let's stand up. Let's get ready to come into his presence and worship. Um, my spirit has been stirred up even in the middle of the night. So I don't know if you know this, but your spirit doesn't sleep. Our bodies sleep and our minds sleep. are going to a rest mode, but our spirits are alive and active. And um, sometimes the Lord just begins to speak to me at night, and I always, I'm always like, Lord, Tell me again in the morning so I remember. Tell me again in the morning so I remember. And um, last night I realized, you know what, Lord, it's all good. Because when he's moving and when he's working and when he's speaking, he's doing the work. And it's not based on whether or not I remember. I don't have to try to capture it and I don't have to try to make the most of it. I can just rest knowing that he is speaking to my spirit and he's building me up and encouraging me and leading me and guiding me. Um, But I love it. I love that he was preparing my heart. The only thing I remember very clearly is I just need to get to church. I just want to get to church. We weren't in church last Sunday. We were traveling, and we were so blessed to watch our daughter dance. Um, but I realized driving to church this morning how much I missed y'all. I missed this space. I missed this worship Um, So we're just going to enter into his presence this morning. And I had a sense while we were praying, he's here and he wants to be with you. And it's so easy to connect with him. You just close your eyes and you just focus in on who he is. And he will meet with you. And sometimes that looks like laying down worries and cares. Sometimes that means I need to ask him, like, Lord, I'm so upset about this situation. I give it to you, Jesus. And so I take care of that in the first, you know, 35 seconds, the first minute and a half of worship. I'm up here. I I do this every week. I'm taking care of the things that want to get in the way so that then I can just rest or I can worship or I can dance because I will. I can just... Enjoy his presence. So I encourage you this morning, don't let anything get in your way. Whatever it is, if there's a single thought in your mind, a single worry in your heart that would seek to get in the way of Jesus this morning, push it aside. It's not of him. We're coming into his presence this morning, and we're going to receive from Jesus.
1: Praise the Lord. Uh, I've got a call to worship I'm going to read to us. I just encourage you, just do that right now. Even just close your eyes, just begin to worship Him. It's out of Psalm 9, and it says this. It says, I will praise You, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of Your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in You. I will sing praise to Your name, Most High. Down in verse 7 it says this, and there are some challenges that are going on, and then it says this, but the Lord shall endure forever. He has prepared His throne for judgment, and He shall administer judgment of the peoples in uprightness. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And those who know Your name will put their trust in You, Church, those who know his name, today we will put our trust in him. For you, Lord, for you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. So, Lord, this morning we seek you. This morning we seek you, Father God. We thank you, Lord, that you never leave us, you never forsake us, Lord. Father, we enter into your presence today with joy, with thanksgiving, with praise, Father, we thank you for who you are. We give you all the honor, all the praise, all the glory, and we worship you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.
0: In Galatians chapter 6, in verse 8, it talks about whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if, always pay attention to those if statements, if we do not give up. Trusting God is not easy for me. It has never been easy for me because I grew up not trusting people. And as a child, you learn about who God is by looking at your father, your earthly father, and the the church people around you. Trusting God has been a decision. It has been setting my will to the truth and sacrificing my feelings on an altar, distrusting how I was feeling, and trusting the truth more. I cannot relate to you in words how difficult that that was for me, learning how to do that. Your feelings matter, and they are valid, and they are real, and he knows it. He's got you. But they cannot be trusted because they are sometimes often based on on lies that we've believed for so long. So I would feel offended if Jason wasn't affectionate one afternoon and I'd get so wrapped up and you know, he's withholding and he's you know, this and that and it was based in a lie. One day he was sad because his dad had died and it was like a year passed, but that day he was sad. And so he was just kind of in his own space. And that day the Lord said to me, he loves you, Liz. And I was like, if I believed that, and because I'm not feeling it, but what if I just, what would I, how would I change how I acted if I, if I acted like that was true? I, and I, I walked over to him. I was like, babe, are you okay? You seem distant. So the moment I decided to act on truth versus my feelings, what, what came up was care curiosity for my husband. Is he okay? It brought me right on out of this being enveloped by my own feelings. All of this is to say that when we sing a song like that, it's talking about we give him glory. We're going to trust him in the highs and the lows. If you go in the book of James, it says to count it all joy when we have trials of all kinds, because it produces in us endurance What does that mean? It's like if I can endure and hold fast and not give up on who God is, then I'm going to come out on the other side with a testimony of who He is in the darkness, who He was, who He always is, and He gets all the glory. And I come through victorious with a testimony. And, church, do you know what a testimony is? It's power to save. It's power to save. Our testimony is our power to win the lost, to know Christ, Jesus, who doesn't change. My feelings are fickle, and they're based on lies. When my feelings line up with the truth, I become empowered to care and to love. And it's amazing. I mean, if you're like me, I mean, I am an ongoing, recovering, feelingaholic, holic. I am, and listen, God made me that way. I used to carry so much condemnation for it. I am a feeler, and that's a great thing when it is submitted to the truth of God's word first and foremost, and not my own thoughts, my own experiences, my own reasonings. All of those are kind of are valid, and they're there, but they aren't in charge. They're not driving this ship. The Holy Spirit is. Church, don't give up. Don't give up. And I'm telling you that your power is in your testimony. And I, as we were worshiping, some of you are walking out a hard season of your testimony. But if you don't give up, if you will just trust that he loves you, doesn't matter how long it's been since you've been in church, doesn't matter if you yelled at your kids this morning, doesn't matter if you're in the midst of a hard season in your marriage, doesn't matter if you never read your Bible, doesn't matter he loves you. Nothing keeps you from the love of God. He wants you. Nothing keeps you. If you can hold on to that truth despite how you feel, you will come out the other side with a testimony. If you will hold on to who he is and let go of all of those that thinking and all of those feelings that disqualify you from the table, from his love, from his, from his supernatural impartation of grace. The scripture that Pastor Jason read this morning talked about God will sit in the judgment seat. Oh, that used to just put it to me. Oh, oh, Lord, I'm just, I can't, I'm not. You know all the things, I just don't, I can't, I'm not, I just can't, I'm not. Oh, and now that's not there anymore because I just know Jesus. I mean, I knew Jesus when I was in this state. No, not. I mean, I was here, you know. But now I really, he's going to sit in that judgment seat, and I'm just going to say, I belong to Jesus. And he's going to be like, Off you go, girl. You know, I know you. Me and you are one because of my son, Jesus. I'm not afraid of him anymore. This table is for me in all of my imperfection. And it's for you. If you know Jesus, not if you feel like you know Jesus, not if you feel like you've been good, okay? If you know him, then you know him. If you've given your heart to him, then you're his. So we're going to come to the table this morning, and we're going to come in trust and in faith, laying aside anything that would get in the way, no matter how reasonable it seems, no matter how true it seems, because the best lies seem true. Deception is when, you know, the lie seems true. The only truth—I don't have a (laughs) Bible— is not on this phone, except the Bible that's on this phone is the only thing that's absolutely true in this phone is the word of God. So we're gonna come this morning and we're gonna take communion together. We're gonna do it in faith and we're gonna receive. You're gonna come down one way, one way, Jesus, down the aisle, right to the table. The cups are stacked, okay? It's a double stack of cups with a cracker in the bottom cup and the juice on the top you're going to pick that up. You're going to circle back to your seat um, and you're going to hold your elements because we're going to partake of community together. We're going to read the word and we're going to have a moment with Jesus um, where we declare our trust in him.
1: Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He loves us, church. He loves us. cares for us. Bible says he knows the number of hairs on our head. To think to know that number, you'd have to be pretty attentive to that person. And to think that he knows the number for each one of us. It means he's attentive to us. He cares for us. Bible talks about love. It says there is no greater love than to lay down one's life, which is what Jesus did for us. His body broken, his blood shed. As we take the communion elements this morning, we remember that. We remember what Jesus did for us. No greater love and what he did for us. And I know we say this often, but I want to just remind us again today that when we do this, when we take this divine impartation of grace, when we partake of these elements, we are bringing that which happened 2,000 years ago to today. Right to today. The same power. Today, to heal, to forgive, to restore. His love is just the same as it's always been. Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are love, you are truth. And we thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice on the cross, your body broken, your blood shed, for the forgiveness of our sins, for the washing of your righteousness over us. And Lord, we thank you that we can partake in the blessings this side of the cross, the healing power, the restoration power, all that you've promised us, it's ours not because of our own works, but because of you. So we trust in you today, Lord, and we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name. The Bible says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. We had given thanks, he broke, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake. Lord, we give you all the honor, all the praise, and all the glory today. We worship you, Lord. We lift up your holy name. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name. Stand with me, church. We're going to continue to worship the Lord, and the altar is open.
0: The Lord God, the maker of heaven and earth, delights to do magnificent works, to do marvelous works. It is his delight to do marvelous works in the lives of his children. He delights in your prayers. Will you trust him? Will you trust him? Will you trust in his word this morning? Will you trust him? Will you trust him enough to take action in your life that will make some people upset with you? Can you suffer that? It's hard. Will you trust him enough today? to make decisions in your life, to change your thinking on things that just don't feel right, but the word says they are right. Will you suffer that this morning because you trust him? Will you accept his truth over your experience and over what you have experienced to be true, not to invalidate that But rather to submit it. Will you trust him this morning? Is he worthy of trust? He is worthy. He is worthy. And he loves you. He has never abused church, he's never called you a single name. Other than beloved, other than those names that make some of us uncomfortable, my beloved. Ooh, that's a little, that's a little much. Not anymore for me. I am his beloved and, and he's mine. He's never called you a name. He's never condemned you. How much condemnation have I listened to? Have I entertained Have I invited in and said, well, that sounds actually, that's actually true. I really am selfish. Let's sit down and discuss that for a while till I feel really low. Because that's true. I am selfish. It's not true, church. I sometimes do selfish things. I sometimes fall into selfishness, but that is not who I am. Okay? He has never condemned you, and he will not condemn you. He will save you. Will you trust him this morning? Him. He who called into being the heavens and the earth. He who knit you together in your mother's womb. He has never rejected you. You have rejected you because you have believed in lies. He has never rejected you. Will you trust who he says you are? Will you believe him? Will you trust in him this morning? He loves you.
1: Guys, before we close this time of worship, as we sang that last chorus, it's your breath in my lungs, and I just I want us to sing it one more time here, if that's even a chorus, I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's that part of the song. I couldn't shake the fact that I believe that this morning, in particular, the Lord wants to heal somebody's lungs. Somebody's lungs in here need the healing power of touch. And it's not going to, from God, it's not going to come because we lay hands on you. It's not going to come from any other reason, but his presence is here today. And as you sing that, as we sing that chorus, if that's you, if you need a healing of your lungs this morning, I want you to take the biggest, deepest breath you have ever made in your life while you sing those words. And I'm telling you, the Lord says today, my healing power and touch will radically radically affect your lungs and your breathing this morning, says the Lord.
0: Pam Dumont sat over there, and all of you who know Pastor Pam, she struggled with a sickness, I don't know if it was pneumonia, yeah. whooping cough she had at one point in her lungs, to the point where, this is pre-COVID, to the point where she would have to stay away from certain events if she felt that weakness because it was so bad. And it lasted for years, I believe, and anyone can correct because I like it to be accurate, Um, I believe it lasted for years. And Pastor Pam would come up here and she would sing. She would sing How Great Thou Art, right? That was her tune. And it would be like powerful. And for years and years and years, she couldn't do it because she couldn't. Her lungs were not working and were not serving her. And they were a point of weakness in her body. And one day during a service, she sat over there and she was healed. She was healed, and she ran over to me and Jason, and she was like, I can sing. I can sing like I haven't been able to sing And I think she said eight years, but that feels long, I don't want to exaggerate, but the Lord healed her, he healed her right there. So we're going to sing, and if you have any issue in your lungs, man, sing so loud that the person in front of you (laughs) hears. Don't spare their ears. Don't spare them. Breathe deeply, sing loudly, and let the Holy Spirit fill you this morning. He will heal you.
1: Let's sing. Father, we just thank you for this time in your presence. We worship you. We worship you today. Father, thank you for speaking to us already. Thank you for your presence here today. And we receive your love. We receive your love, Lord. That's right. And we trust in you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: We're going to take some time to greet one another, check in with one another, be social. If you're an introvert, the bathrooms are out the door to the left, or there's bigger ones across the way. Um, Just saying, I've been there. I am that person. Some days, um, some days I'm a social butterfly. Mm. Uh, Family room is open. It's across the lobby, all the way across to the foyer over there, and then on the left. Nursery is open for babies ages zero to three. Little's ministry ages four, five, and six. If you're a guest here, we welcome you. Uh, We welcome you into the house of God, into his presence this morning. Um, I pray that you have met with Jesus, because otherwise, what's the point? Well, except for to come and meet us, fine people who love Jesus. We are an imperfect people who love Jesus all the way. So welcome. If this is your first time, welcome. Um, on the back of the seat, there is a connection card. That is a place for you to put your email. At minimum, we'll send you a welcome email. Okay, I'm not going to call you. Okay, I, I, like. Again, I don't do that. Um, I'd be like, don't don't call me. Send me an email. So there's a welcome email. It'll just connect you into our website and just help you to onboard some information. Um, we are available to you. Uh, um, so that connection card, once it's filled out, it's also a place for prayer requests, praise reports, um, testimonies. Up front during this break, there will be offering buckets, and you may bring your tithes and your offerings, uh, and you may bring your connection cards, and you can put those in um, and if you have children above age seven, Kid Corner is for you. Sermon Bags helps the kids stay busy during the sermon, although their ears are always listening. Um, we have so many powerful testimonies of the things that kids digest during the sermon. It's so exciting. Um, I think that's it. Did I hit everything? All right, let's take a few minutes uh, to do all those things, and then we'll come back together. All right, church friends, let's find our seats. All right, I have a couple of announcements. Uh, the first one is that next Sunday we are having a baptism service. If you've never been here for a baptism service, you're, you should come um, because we get excited about public declarations of Jesus, and it's the whole service. The whole service is centered around baptism, and it's always emotional. It's always just filled with the Holy Spirit, and um, it's death to life, and it's a family affair, okay? So, you are all invited to the baptism service. Um, We will have some sort of refreshment after church. I haven't picked it yet. I don't know what it'll be. Muffins, donuts, coffee, cake, something. Um, Coffee, obviously. So, uh, Come next week. it is a celebration service. It is powerful, um, so don 't miss that. If you have signed up for baptism, you will be receiving instruction this week we've been out of town, so you know that normally goes out a little earlier and it hasn't um, you'll be receiving instruction but if you haven't signed up and you're thinking about being water baptized um, ba- water baptism is baptism into the church it's baptism into the death and resurrection of Christ, and this is an adult decision. So if, if you've never been baptized as an adult you, and you have made, um, you've made Jesus your Lord and your Savior, you have made the decision to follow him, this is a public declaration of that decision. This is saying, I am his and he is mine. Um, I love the death to life. It as you go under that water, it's symbolic of Jesus into the grave and then new life and resurrection with power. So um, one thing we don't do in general, we don't do re baptisms. Baptism is not something that you do if you've walked away from the Lord and you've come back again, because He already that's been covered. If you've been baptized, I was baptized at fourteen. There was a lot that went on between 14 and 21. I mean a whole lot. And I wanted to get rebaptized and my pastor told me no. <laughs> I will not rebaptize you because it was done it was done right, it was done once and it was done for all. You never have walked out of Jesus. He has never left you and he is thrilled that you are coming and and walking back with him. But rebaptism if when you redo it and redo it and re- if you if it was like that it would devalue what it is. It's, it's once and done. We don't have to continually beg to be forgiven. We're forgiven. We don't have to continually be re-resurrected. If you are with Jesus, you have been resurrected from death to life. Baptism is the public declaration of that decision. Um, also, we recommend that kids be older than eight years. We just recently had this conversation because at the last baptism service, one of my older daughters, she's just so sweet, she wanted to give courage to Maggie May, who's six. Like, Maggie, being baptized is the best thing. It's for Jesus, and you should do it. And Maggie was like, like in the middle of the service. Like we're, we're up here and we're baptizing people, and Maggie comes up and says, Mom, I want to be baptized because Noel told me she'd give me a stuffed animal if I did it. So I got a little upset with with Noelle. Like, why are you trying to bribe your sister into being baptized? I'm working, like doing, I'm I'm in the middle of it, okay? And I'm working it out with my six-year-old, trying to tell her, no, babes, you can't be baptized today. And then she was upset. Well, I want the stuffed animal. I was like, you'll get the stuffed animal. Let me tell you, you're getting it, but you're not going to be baptized. And so we had a conversation as a leadership team after that. How do we protect, you know? How do we protect? And we just feel like eight years old is an, is an age where there's actual brain development that happens, where kids can begin to think and have abstract thought. Um, and so that's that's just in general. Um, eight years old is a good age where they can begin to understand what baptism is. So I'm putting that out there. If you haven't signed up, sign up today to be baptized next week. All right. Did I cover everything? Therapeutics? Yeah? Okay. Okay. Um, Tonight, the Luciano group is at 6.30. It's right here in the sanctuary. It's an awesome time of teaching, so don't miss it. If you've never been, come. It's a bigger group. It's not like a small group of like 10 people. It's a little bit of a larger group. It's a teaching group, so come and be blessed with that. That's tonight here in the sanctuary at 6.30. Also, uh, Women to Women uh, is meeting the 25th, which is Wednesday evening at Maureen's house. There's Maureen and Joanna. Um, So thankful for them. Is real ministry happening in this group, ladies? real ministry. If you need life, if you need prayer, if you need the word, whatever you need, you know, trust God and step out and go. These are the most, they make me feel comfortable. These girls make me feel at ease, like I am okay. And if they can do that for me, then they can do that for anybody. They are so rooted and grounded. Trust, trust God, trust them. If you have a need, go. Go, women to women. Um, okay, Bible reading bookmarks for November are available at the back table. Okay, so if you're reading along through the Bible, we do a new bookmark every month, and those are available at the back table. And that's going to be all for today because I've been up here a long time. Do you want me to talk about serving real quick? Okay, come on up. Um, last time we, two weeks ago, we had our newcomer lunch, and. I had I had the best time. I had a great time. We had a meal together with about, I don't know, like 30, 30 people who have come to ECF within the past year. And we just talked about who we are, our history, Pastor Jim and Pam, Word of Faith, like who we are now, our vision for the church, um, who we are personally, you know, like sports, coffee, Jesus, fashion. You know, like we just really had a great time. Um, and... We left it, and I began thinking about serving. Serving in the church is important. As a church, serving outward is super important. Um, So if you were at that lunch, or if you weren't at that lunch, but you're not currently serving in some capacity, pray on it. Think about it. It is giving of your time, but it's important in order to be part of a community. You have to be part of the community. You know, you in order to feel like you're connected, you have to be connected. You have to get connected. So um, there's so many opportunities to serve. Uh, there's lights. Can't get much easier than, you know, lights. There's the AV booth. There's kids ministry. We want to launch ministry for the older kids. Um, but in order to do that, we have to do that. You know, like, I mean, we have to have people who want to pour into children. If you can hold a baby, then you can serve in the nursery. I'm just saying, if you can hold and comfort a baby, you can serve in the nursery. So don't disqualify yourself. Um, Like, I'm too old to do that. You're not. Um, At the age to, you can be too young. I feel like it's 13 and older in order to be a helper in the nursery. Um, But we have Littles Ministry. That's a little bit more of a skilled room because we're trying to grow them up and raise them up to kind of be calm and attentive. And that takes a little bit of skill. Um, So if y'all could pray on these things. Ushers. We need ushers. You guys are seeing. Jane and uh, Mrs. Lindenberger here, Leanne, just did a fabulous job. Did you guys plan on matching sweaters this morning? Yeah? Yeah. You guys sent a text? It's the the usher uniform. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, If you're a couple and you want to serve together and you want to serve you know, as ushers, it's not a hard job, but it is serving this church family. It's doing an important job for this church family. So, that's all. Okay. You want me to take my paper?
1: Sure. All right. Okay, that's uh, actually a good segue. Uh, Pastor Liz had no idea I was going to speak on this just for our tithes and offerings, but As we, I told you, well, you guys know we weren't here last week. We were at a conference, and I'm probably going to share more about that probably next week a little bit as it ties even to baptism, Uh, so I'm not going to talk too much about that today, but one of the takeaways was that there are three signs in a believer's life that they are kind of walking out being a Jesus disciple, a Jesus follower, and these were like they did all these studies and all these things, but there were three things that came down to this, and it wasn't, uh, there was the, here I'll just read them off to you, it was a daily reading of the word, it was tithing, and it was serving, and those three things were a mark of a Jesus follower who was growing in Christ, so if you are, you know, in any way all of us struggle sometimes in every one of those areas, but I would just encourage you just to do a little self-reflection of where am I at? Uh, on the daily reading of God's word. Where am I at on tithing? Where am I at on serving? And really ask the Lord and seek him and let him uh, work on your heart Uh, because there are three important things that we kind of, we do out of our own lives out of the overflow of his love for us. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 says this, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, For God loves a cheerful giver. And that's why Pastor Liz always says, you know, come up here joyfully bringing your tithes and offerings. Because it's something to be joyful about. Because we trust God and we trust in him and his provision for our life. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you that you are so trustworthy and so faithful. Father, we just lift up these tithes and offerings to you. Father, we thank you that you are moving and working, Father God. Father, we give them cheerfully back to you, just a portion of what you've given to us. Father, and strengthen us in all the areas, Father God, of our walk with you and discipleship with you, Lord. Let we give you all the honor and the praise and the glory. And Father, just as I give this message today, that you would just open our ears to hear and our eyes to see what you have for us in your precious name. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, how many of you guys were here last week and heard Brother Paul? Come on, give Brother Paul a hand. That was... I was just telling him this, this morning why well, I, I sent him a voicemail and a text, and then I talked to him this morning. I listened to it. How many know we have a Spotify feed so you can listen to our messages on Spotify? I think maybe Google, Apple music it is. There's a couple different places. You can see them find them on our website. But I was just listening to it, and man, was that a good message on healing? Man, it was so powerful, the 11,782 promises in this word of God that the Lord has promised us and is ours when we receive them and believe those in faith. And it was just an amazing time. I want to thank him for doing that uh, and encourage you to come tonight to his group. I know he was talking about the, uh, what was the title was, Blocking the Blocker, something like that, right, and, and our thoughts and in how the enemy works on our thoughts. And tonight, uh, tonight Paul, you're talking on... There you go, calling things and being not as though they were. So, looking forward, uh, I just encourage you to come out tonight. Uh, but this morning, this morning we're going to continue our Sermon on the Mount series. Uh, we are in Matthew chapter five. Uh, believe it or not, we've gotten through verses one through twenty, and we're going to pick up in verse twenty-one uh, this morning. We're going to read twenty-one through, I think, twenty-six. We're going to re- read twenty-one through twenty-six. And I titled this message, look, I'm not, don't stand up. Okay, read the screen. Go ahead, read the screen. Will the real murderer stand up? So this is not like, you know, I'm I'm, I'm sort of messing with you a little bit, but you understand why I'm saying this in just a few moments. Um, Because I think it's interesting what the Bible says and what Jesus talks about as murderous in our hearts and how we act towards one another sometimes, and it's not the typical murder that we're thinking about or that we read about or that we see. So let's read it, and then we're going to get into it this morning. Okay, verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, but whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry... With his brother, without a cause, shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. Be first reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hands you over to the officer and you'll be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there. So you have paid the last penny. So what I've been doing in this series, we've been going kind of verse by verse. So I'm going to go back to verse 21 and just we'll read it again and I want to talk about that. So it says this, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. And so Jesus is referencing the Old Testament. He's referencing the Ten Commandments. And we all know, most of us know what, I don't know if you all could recite the Ten Commandments I tried, I got really close, I actually messed up one, so, okay, no judgment on anybody if you try to recite it, but one of them is, you know, do not kill, do not murder. You're like, well, that makes a lot of sense, right, that makes a lot of sense. You're like, okay, and I, I started thinking to myself, like, as I read this, I was like, okay, you shall not murder. I was like, well, I haven't, I'm good. In fact, I haven't even, I'm trying to think of the last time, like, I actually got into, like, a fight and hurt anybody, This was a long time ago. This was in college. This was on the streets of State College in the middle of the night after a Penn State football game, and we probably lost, like we did yesterday, and I was, I don't know, 19, 20 years old. I was probably really upset, and there was a bunch of us together, and we got into a fight, and we hurt each other, okay? It's like, I think that's the last time I actively, like purposely, you know, hurt somebody. Like, I'm good, right? Right? I'm good, right? I'm feeling pretty good here. Like, this is okay. And so I'm like, man, I haven't murdered anyone. I'm feeling pretty good. So I'm in clear. I am in clear of this danger. Jesus, I got this one. We're good. And then he goes into verse 22. But, right, so Jesus is like, you know, he's like, you know, any good message or sermon kind of gets you going. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's like, he changes something on you. Like, ooh. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. And I'm like, wait a second. You mean that the judgment on a murderer, Jesus, in the, and as he's teaching us, is the same judgment we have in our heart. When we reside and keep in our heart, this deep bitterness and unforgiveness towards someone that we are, is this this what this is saying? That we are potentially in that same danger of that judgment and then not only that, then when I begin to speak out the words or type them on social media or begin to speak against that person or that group or whomever it is that I am in danger of murder. Wow. Like this, I mean, this is like an attention grabber, right? This is like, I was like, Lord, show me more. <laughs> Tell me more because I don't want to live in this way. Murder in God's eyes is serious business. How many of you know that? Serious business. He came and died for all of us. Life is important to him. He gave us life. He gives us our breath. It is important to him. And the root of this issue, this is not just like, oh, somebody cut me off and I'm angry at them. Okay, like this anger, this, what God is talking about here, what he is speaking about here, this thing in our, it's something that has to do with our heart. How many know that God judges the heart? This is a heart issue. So when you begin to hear yourself speaking about someone, or saying something about someone, and it's actually coming out of your mouth, that means it's an overflow out of what's already in here in your heart. And we all know that there's power in our tongue. And we have this ability to create life or create death with the power of our tongue. So for me, when I if, if I begin to even begin to think and begin to say something about someone else, I begin to realize that this is something, this is an issue in my heart. I'm having a heart issue with this person. And the meaning here, this meaning, look at this. It's on the screen here. It's a deep-seated hostility. A settled anger or resentment, and maybe why I I wrote this down, maybe a better way to say it is that something we would call nursing a grudge, nursing a grudge, ooh, that, every time you see that person, right, you get that feeling in your heart, you're like, you begin to feel there's something deep seated in there in your heart that God wants to show you. He wants to expose and he wants to be able to help you remove that so you can live freely. You know, when we hold on to bitterness and un- and unforgiveness in our own life, it actually causes us harm. It doesn't cause the other person harm. They're walking around Wegmans doing their shop and happy as can be. They may not even know that they've done something to make you upset. And we're going to talk in a little bit later about what do we do when someone has made us upset and we have that thing in our heart and we begin to, when, look, when you get together with someone and if the first thing you want to do is start talking about somebody else, you got a problem with that person. You've got one you should stop immediately. And if you're with the person who begins talking about that other person, they're not there, you should actually stop them and say, no, thank you. That person's not here. We're not going to go there. Let's change the subject. Let's talk about Penn State's loss again Last, th- yesterday to Ohio State, right? You want, if you want to get it light, you want to get me going, you want to get me fired up, we can talk about that, right? But if we want to shut down those conversations about those other people. But you have to realize, it's like an indicator. Like, you know, on your dashboard when you're driving, I, I laugh about this all the time, the low tire pressure indicator, right? And how angry that makes you, how angry it makes me. And it happened to me. Who was with me? Girls, anybody was with me? In the Outback, I was driving the Outback yesterday, low tire pressure. What? How? Are you kidding me? Like, what, what is the purpose? I'm going through all, now this was a little bit dangerous, I'm totally sidetracking here. As I'm driving, I'm going through the menu on the car, because defi- there's like an indicator that tells me the tire pressure on all my tires. And I'm looking, 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 and I finally find it, it's like one PSI low. Come on. Right, just to aggravate me, the thing goes on. But the indicator light was to show you that something is not quite where it needs to be. And when you begin in your heart to begin to have these thoughts or even begin to speak those things about someone else, God takes that very seriously, as we've just read, and it's an indicator for us that we've got a heart issue that we need to go address. It's an indicator for us. And notice that that scripture says there are two conditions. I don't know if you saw that not, but there were two conditions. And the first one was, it says, without a cause. And then it also says, but with a cause, in the sense that you begin to speak ill will of that person. So this applies to both without a cause and with a cause. Look, without a cause, there are people, there are Christians, and I'm sure nobody in this room does it. But if you get on social media, you will see hate speech and people just... Going after each other. Christians, brothers and sisters in the church because of the theological difference or this difference or you're supporting Israel and you shouldn't be doing all this. All of this anger and angst between God. From what I'm reading in the scripture is saying, you've got a murderous spirit in your heart. Whoa. Holy cow. That's some pretty serious business. And I would call those without cost. Do you even know that person? Do you, even, do you even know them? And why are you going after them on social media? Like, what do you think that you're doing? How is this going to be helpful? And we, always, and we always talk about, like, what is, the, what is the result that you think you'll get by doing that? What's the outcome? Joy? Peace? The outcome is keep checking your feed to see if they've responded to your last comment. Ooh! Well, that's a good point, but I got a I defense at this point. I'm going to come back on this one. Right? And it's just like, whoa, this is like without cause. This is somebody you don't even barely even know, and you're going back and forth. And God says, that is dangerous. That is dangerous. And we have to be very careful of that. But then there's also this with cause. He says, but do not begin to speak ill will of somebody else raka or fool or all these things that he's talking about and the, and the Bible goes in other areas and we know this it says be angry but do not sin be angry but do not sin and this is a challenge for all of us right like I can get angry like pretty hot quick like if you know and it's kind of like I'm like this calm and steady dude my kids will know this like I'm just yeah, mm-hmm. yeah sure ask me another question yeah that's fine mm-hmm. yep sure no 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 lollipops yep no you can't have a snack no, you can't have a sparkling water. No, you can't have this. Oh, there's a, poof! No! Stop asking me all the questions. Right? And so this is my issue, because I didn't put boundaries, and that's a whole parenting discussion. We can talk about that at another time. But it's just like this anger that comes up, and the Bible talks over and over about, we are allowed, that's a feeling. Pastor Liz talked about it this morning. Anger is not bad. Anger is not wrong. It's a feeling that you have. Like, oh, I feel angry. And it's an indicator that says, hello, something's going on. Let me look into this a little bit more. And that's what anger really is. And so really being angry but do not sin. This murder that he's talking about is a heart attitude. And then when it begins to bubble up, we begin to speak it out. And this word raka means you are attacking their mind. Like you are just like, you raka. Yeah? And it's like you're calling them stupid. Worthless. You're atta- That's per- stupid. And then, fool is attacking their character. You begin to speak things against their character of who they are, and I put in parentheses, stupid idiot. How many of you guys have ever, you don't have to raise your hand, the real murderer does not have to stand up. I'm the only one standing guilty. Okay? You all don't have to do I'm standing for you on your behalf here. Right? But it's this, it's like, how many, of you, how many of you ever did the stupid idiot? Yeah? Oh, what a stupid idiot. What an idiot. How stupid. Yeah, those are, like, those are like the cool words for the Christian to be able to use without using curse words. Yeah, stupid idiot. Can't believe they would even think that. Ridiculous. Did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said? What an idiot. Yeah. The Bible says you're calling someone rock and fool, and you have a murderous spirit in your heart right now. And you got to be like, we better che- you better check yourself. I've got to better like, Jason, you better check yourself with this and how I'm speaking. We have to remember, church, that the battles that we face are not against flesh and blood. If we could remember that, in the midst of our arguments, in the midst of our spousal disputes, when I wasn't showing affection, on, you know, or whatever it might be. When we're in the midst of that, if we can remember, look, we have an enemy, and Brother Paul talked about, it, in our mind giving us thoughts and just trying to take us down a path of a lie and believing in a lie, we have to remember that this, these two, me and Erica, whatever, I'm just looking at you, The battle's not between Erica and I. The battle's not between Jay and I. The battle's not between Adam and I. Got one from each section, so you all covered. The battle is not against us flesh and blood, but it's against these principalities and powers of darkness. And so if we can remember, like, ooh, I'm feeling angry, but you know what? That person did something to hurt me and to offend me, and I am angry, and that wasn't great, and that wasn't cool, but my battle is not against them. My battle is not to then take my sword out and begin to wield it with my tongue and try to cut them down. That's not my battle to fight. God's got my battles covered. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, not Pastor Jason. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We leave that in God's hands and we pull out our sword and we speak truth and we speak life. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. The other thing we have to remember, not just that the battle is not against that person, but we have to remember to forgive so that we too can be forgiven. And there are verses upon verses in the Bible that talks about this. But we have to remember, and even in the Lord's Prayer, which we'll get to a little bit further in the Sermon on the Mount uh, a couple of weeks from now, but we have to remember that we have to forgive so that we may also be free. It's a heart issue. It's a hard issue. What I want to encourage us is, I don't know if you know, statistically speaking, they did a study that people who hold resentment and bitterness are far more likely to get cancer than those who don't. Like if that's not like, this is a physical thing that is occurring based on our spirit man and our heart. Our heart issue, really our soul, our spirit man is clean and cleansed, but really our soul or our heart issue, when we begin to hold on to that, it's like poison, church, it's like poison in your own body. How many of you are like, you know, if there's poison in my own body, I'd like to try to get rid of it, right? You're probably going to fast, you're going to find to do like a foot cleanse, like put your feet in bubbled water, right? I don't know what the people do stuff and like chemicals and stuff come out of their feet. I don't know. I haven't done that, but that's probably real. That happens. Right? But if you got like poison on the inside, like what do you call poison control? Like you got you to you get it out. You got to get your stomach pumped. You got to get something done to get the poison out. And I would encourage us, church, here from a forgiveness perspective, doesn't mean we have to forget, but in our own hearts, we have to resolve that we have to forgive so that we can be forgiven. We say, well, well, Pastor, what about Jesus? Jesus, he was angry. Jesus was angry. He flipped tables. He made a whip. He was angry. There are parts of his ministry, you can see that he was angry. But in 1 Peter 2.23, it says, they humbled their insults at him, and he did not retaliate. Jesus did not retaliate at the insults. And when he suffered, he made no threats. So what do we do? What do we do? Verse 23 says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, there's some type of stress or strain against you guys, there's something, that's an issue that's out there, leave your gift there before the altar, go on your way, be first reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Now, of course, we already did offering. Sorry. Maybe I should have did offering at the end today. You know what I mean? So nobody brings their offering up. They all run out. You all you know, try to work out resolution with people and then bring your offering together. But what Jesus is speaking of here, what he's saying is, is when we hold this in, when this murderous spirit on the inside of our heart and this anger towards somebody that is bubbling up out and we are becoming actually hurtful to that person, it limits our ability to worship the Lord. Because giving is an act of worship. And Jesus is saying, you know what? Don't even bring it. Don't even, I I don't need your tithes and offerings. It is so important to me. More important than your tithes and offerings and paying for this building and paying for all the stuff is I want you to go and reconcile with your brother or sister that you have an issue with. Please go, please go do it now. That's what Jesus is saying. Some of you looked up at me like you thought I was telling you to go right now. Maybe you should right after this. This importance of rec- uh, reconciliation. Jesus is saying that we need to reconcile with, with our brother. It's almost a prerequisite to worshiping God. So how do we do this? Like, Pastor, this is great, fantastic. Thank you so much. Like, I'm feeling this. I feel like there's somebody, maybe God, speaking to me in my life. I have to go deal with. So what? Now what? What am I supposed to do? How? What? Now what? So look, there are many books on this. There's a lot of great information on this. I am no means an expert, but I do want to look at a passage of Scripture in Matthew 18 that kind of gives us a little bit of a framework or a guideline of how to go make this happen or or make an attempt to go make this happen. It says this, starting in verse 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained a brother. Reconciliation, one to one. But if he will not hear, you take with you one or two more. That by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So we go together with somebody if the first time doesn't work. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. Which means you've got to try a couple times before you come and bring it to the pastors and the eldership of this church. If he refuses, they'll tell it to the church. But if he refuses even then to hear Let him be to you like the heathen and the tax collector. Which means saying, I cannot have a relationship because this person does not want to reconcile. But God puts the onus on us to do the reconciliation. If the other person chooses not to reconcile, that is not your issue. That is not your fault. God encourages us to make the step, the first step to the reconciliation. And how many of you know that... Forgiveness, the forgiveness of God comes to us when we truly repent. When we truly repent say, Lord, I want to turn from my sins and I repent of my sins. That is when true forgiveness and reconciliation comes between you and God. And I believe it's the same way between people. The person that has sinned against you has to be willing to repent and own up to their issue. And when that doesn't happen, these are the steps that you go down and take. And it says it's kind of like this escalating steps. And then in verse 18, Assuredly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Interesting, we use this verse all of the time in a lot of different contexts, but Jesus taught it in the context of relationships. He taught us in the context of because it's so important, this unity between spouses, this unity between the church, this unity between brothers and sisters of God is so important that he wants us to use the power and of authority of heaven, of binding and loosening in order to seek and see and find reconciliation between brothers and sisters. And then he says, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on anything on earth concerning anything that they ask, It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am in the midst of them. So the summary of what this passage teaches us to do, number one is, it's not on the list, we need God's help. (laughs) We need Jesus. Jesus, we need you, we need your help, we need you to help us and guide us and lead us. So the first thing we do after seeking Jesus in is we have to address it head on. I think too often, and I've been guilty of this, is we think someone did something or we heard that they did something and then we don't say anything and it lingers and it lingers and it lingers. And the more it lingers, the more upset you get. And it may not even be over anything. I've, this has happened in my own life. It's like the longer you wait to bring something up, the more like, oh yeah, and then oh oh yeah, and then, oh oh yeah, right? Ooh, what a, oh, and it's almost like you even begin to forget what you were originally upset about, and you're seven steps down the path. Now you're just really, really mad and angry at that person. But if you just would have went to them initially, out of the gate, there could have been a reconciliation quickly. And how many of you know, growing up as a kid, the kid at least in my, in my neighborhood, the kids that I fought with were my best friends? And if they weren't my best friend before the throwdown, somehow... They became my best friend afterwards. Like, so I don't know what, it's like kids are like working out this, working out this scripture, not with words, but with like, you know, I, I, just, I remember it clear as day. The, the dude's name was Larry. Larry Panic. He was my neighbor. He lived up the street. And he was like, he was saying stuff about me. And he was like, meh, meh, meh. and I was like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? And we scuffled. We scuffled. I was like 11, 12. We scuffled and he took me out I believe I don't remember it clearly I try, to rem- I try not to remember those things if I lost in a fight I did take taekwondo afterwards you know I kind of learned in my skills of self defense but I remember that he became my best friend and the interesting part is is there was this issue and it didn't go on and on and on and on it was like dude what's going on let's go let's go let's talk about it let's go And as a little kid, you don't know what to talk about, so we got into it, right? And it was just like, wow, we became best friends. And I believe that was like kids leading out the scripture, like, don't let it linger. Go to someone, address it head on. And if they don't see it, they don't have it, then go with someone else. Take someone with you, someone who can speak into both of your lives, who is trusted in both parties. And if that doesn't work, you bring it to the church, you bring it to the spiritual authority, And then, really, at the end of the day, with all of these, as these go down, we begin to bind and loose. Interesting, again, that this is where it's loose. We have to bind up bitterness. We have to loose forgiveness in our lives. Amen? Sit if you want to come up. And then Jesus encourages us, in verse 25, back to Matthew 5, to do it quickly. He says this, agree with your adversary quickly. While you're on your way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, the judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Surely I say to you, by no means you get out of it, you have paid the last penny. I would encourage you, church, don't delay. If as I was speaking this morning, the Lord placed someone on your heart that there needs to be a reconciliation with, and you, you can just feel and sense in your heart that spirit and every time you see him, you feel the stupid idiot wanting to come out. That's the Lord's indicator saying there's someone you need to work towards taking the next step of resolution with. And I have a funny example that I'm going to end this with, and then I'll get serious again. But this year I was a coach at Flag Football with Jairus. This was 6th uh, through 8th grade. It was the playoffs. Playoffs. It was the playoffs, and it was obviously a very important game. It's win or go home. And I had heard about the other team. I didn't ever witnessed it, but I heard about the other team and their coaches and how they acted and what they were like. And we got on, we were playing in the middle of the game, and one of the kid's jerseys was hanging over his flags, and he couldn't pull it, and I start yelling at the ref, Okay. Your pastor yells at the ref during a football game sometimes. It was very justified. I was very, very intense, okay? I may have broken a clipboard during one of the games, okay? So I was very intense, and I was was yelling at the ref. I was like, he's got to tuck his shirt in. He's got to tuck his shirt in. And then all of a sudden, the other team's coaches, there was three or four coaches over there, they started yelling at me. Well, if your team wouldn't be pulling on our jerseys, he wouldn't have to keep tucking his thing. And we start going back and forth. And I could sense in my heart, I was beginning to escalate. You know how you feel when you start to escalate? Your knees get a little, feel the It's like am I going to fight or flight here, right? And you start to feel this sense of, I'm starting to get upset. And I start making comments. I start saying things. And they're saying things. And then one of them was like, I'm a grown woman. You want to go? And I knew, I was like, oh boy, I have gone too far. <laughs> and the, I didn't even study for this yet, because this was a couple weeks ago. But I was like, all right, Lord, wow, this is sixth through eighth grade flag football. Okay, little perspective check. And I kind of just said a little prayer. I was like, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because this is, this is not getting any better. And I felt like the Lord tell me right in the middle of the game to walk over to the other side, because we're on the same sideline the way it works. And just to walk over, and be like, hey man, I'm sorry about that. I was just really intense in the game. I know you guys are intense too. This is a great game. Good luck to your team. You know, I'm, it's just an honor a privilege just to play this game and, and to be out here. And they just stopped and looked at me. And the one guy reached his hand out, and I shook his hand, I shook the next coach's hand, and I looked at the lady who was, you know, wanting to throw down with me, <clears throat> and she looked at me, and she's like, all right, man, that's cool, and it just, it literally, you could feel like the air going out of a balloon, right, it's like, the diffusing of the situation was like, zzz, Because even the refs, like the angst on the refs during the game, because you're just heated and going. The whole atmosphere of the entire flag football field went down to a peaceful level. Now, we lost the game, but there was friendly handshakes afterwards. And I know it's a funny example, but it's just an example in real life that says, you know what? Our calling as Christians, we don't get to do and say whatever we want anymore. When we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, there are things that he is asking us to go do, and part of those is to go make that step of reconciliation. And the indicator light for us is this heart issue when we begin to feel and sense things, so much so that either we begin to say them or we want to say them. So let's pray this morning. In fact, why don't you all stand with me? the real murderer stand up, let's just all stand up together, okay? Just close your eyes this morning. I feel like the Lord is a challenge for us today to say, oh, Lord, I do have that sense, that feeling, that deep-seated anger in my heart that is just becoming bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, even begin to speak ill will of this person or these people. So, Lord, first I ask, Lord, that you would forgive me of that. Lord, that I truly desire this morning to repent and to turn from that, and to seek reconciliation, Lord. So, Lord, we just invite you. Jesus, right now, we invite you into every one of those situations, every one of those circumstances. Lord, we invite you in to have your way. Lord, soften our hearts where they need to be softened. Lord, as your word promises, one of those 11,000 promises, that you will give us the words to say when we seek you. That the Holy Spirit himself will be the one who speaks for us and on our behalf. So Lord, we submit every one of those relationships, every one of those situations to you. Lord, we ask this morning you continue to strengthen us by your spirit that lives on the inside of us. Thank you, Jesus. If everyone still has their eyes closed and their head bowed, if there's anyone here this morning who has never made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior, we talked about baptism next week, we talked about this public declaration But in order to be baptized, in order to take that next step, you have to accept and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. As the one who paid the price, the one who rose from the grave, the one who wants a relationship with you. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you would like to do so this morning, just slip your hand up. Father, we just thank you for who you are, what you've done, both on the cross. Lord, we thank you for your teachings that challenge us, but are ultimately meant to bring health and wholeness to us. So Father, we thank you for that. Jesus, we thank you for your words and your life, your death and your resurrection. We give you all the honor and the praise and the glory in your precious name. Amen. amen. Uh, we have some prayer teams that are going to be coming up here right now. Uh, they'll be up here up front afterwards. If you need prayer for anything, prayer for healing, prayer for a relationship, prayer for a trip coming up, whatever it is, they'll be ready and willing and are able to pray with you. But let me just read this benediction as we send you out. It's out of Romans 5. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another. According to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and with one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. We love you guys. Have a great week.